Big Sloth. Alistair, this is Psycho Gorman, or PG for short. Silence! Okay. We brought you some reading material, PG, and a TV to watch. Did you sleep okay? I'm sorry we didn't bring any pornos. Petty displays of wealth. How can your short lifespans allow such narcissism? Yeah, but look at all the hunky boys. I do not care for hunky boys. And now, your host, miniature dog enthusiast, Joel Murphy. Hello again, I'm Joel Murphy, this is Hobo Radio, and today I have an interview with Stephen Kostansky, the writer and director of Psycho Gorman, uh, which is available on DVD and Blu-ray today, March 16th. This was a very fun interview to do. This is a very ridiculous movie. If you've not heard of Psycho Gorman, uh, it is very much a throwback to sort of 80s style of horror. It's about a little girl who uh, finds and then is able to control a, a demon from outer space and the ridiculous horror slash comedy hijinks that ensue. Uh, it's a very fun movie, a, a kind of movie that I enjoyed that doesn't really get made much these days. So I definitely appreciated it. And it was really fun to talk to him about the idea and about some of the inspirations. If you haven't seen the movie, we talk a little bit about the plot. But trust me, this is one of those movies I, I don't think you can spoil it. It's it's just so ridiculous that there's nothing really to spoil. So uh, we will talk about some things that happen in the movie, but don't worry. You can still listen to it and still enjoy it because trust me, whatever you imagine hearing the conversation, it is so much weirder and uh, more fun to see unfold. Also, there's a wrap at the end. So watch it just for that, if nothing else. Uh, but without further ado, here's my interview with Steven Kostansky. <laughs> All right. How's it going? Good. Good. How you doing? Yeah. Can't complain. <laughs> I like the shirt. Oh, thank you very much. Got it, in a, got it in Texas when I, well, it was supposed to be the premiere of Psycho Gorman uh, in March 2020, but they canceled South by Southwest, but I ended up going anyway, uh, just for fun, bought it down there at a vintage shop. So, so what did you do? You just like hung out <laughs> i just went for, I, yeah i just went for fun because i was like i booked my ticket i booked my hotel oh so you were locked in <laughs> yeah. yeah i was i was a little like pissed off that the movie wasn't premiering so i was like i need a vacation and <laughs> no joke like i like flew when i flew there everybody was like oh this coronavirus thing's gonna go away it's not a problem and then like i landed 
And suddenly it was like, oh, they're going to like lock the planet down. You need to go back to you need to go back to Canada as soon as possible. So then it was a scramble to book my flight to fly back as quickly as possible. So, oh, God. <laughs> so you were like right the last possible. Like what, this is like the beginning of March or when? when the- yeah, this was March 13th was supposed to be the premiere of the movie. And that was the day that I think everybody was like, all right, starting next week, we're just shutting down. Like work is closed. Businesses are closed. It was like a hard lockdown. And there then the borders closed too so uh they closed i think on the monday and we flew back on sunday night oh wow so, so you were legit the of our... <laughs> yeah wow yeah it was crazy but i got like two days of relaxing and so that was nice it was nice to be one of the few people to say they got a vacation in right before the pandemic hit so <laughs> yeah you know, sure. it's a nice memory aside from the stress of uh having to scramble to get back to canada so yeah <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that brings up a good question, too, of, uh, you know, it seems like from what I've seen online, like there's been a really good uh, buzz for this movie. That seems like there's a lot of love for this movie. But yeah, this has been a movie that's been released uh, during a pandemic. So, yeah, what has that been like for you guys just to have this movie come out this past year? I mean, it was disappointing that I wasn't able to do the festival tour with it that I've typically done with my films. It's very much like a crowd movie. Like I wanted to watch it in a theater with other people. I wanted to gauge reactions. Like it's an important component of finishing a movie to me. It's my way of feeling like, okay, it's out there with the world now. People seem to be enjoying it. I can relax. And I have not had that experience yet because it's all just been like, yeah, word of mouth and gauging reactions online and reviews and things. So yeah, it's weird. It's, it's certainly not the normal way I approach releasing a movie. But at the same time, I'm super happy with the response. It's been great. Uh, I think we landed at the exact right time uh, in in January when there's really nothing going on. And so a lot of eyes got on it very quickly. And it's, yeah, it's just spread like crazy. So all things considered, despite the pandemic, I think the release has worked out really well. And, uh, you know, it's it's been very well received. Do you think, uh, is that something you guys are thinking about? Obviously, we're talking because it's getting ready to be released on you know, Blu-ray and DVD. But is that something maybe down the line that you think you might do some theater screenings for it? Like once everything opens back up? Yeah, the hope is to do like uh, kind of revival screenings for the movie. Uh, I mean, nothing is concrete, but there's talk of like maybe in the fall, like around Halloween or something doing some screenings. But again, like it entirely hinges on like, what is the state of the world? Again? <laughs> right. Yeah. We because don't know what October yeah, will look like. Yeah. At this like point. our, uh, our plan originally was to release the movie last October because the talk was like back in like April, everybody was like, oh, this will be gone by the summer for right. sure. Yeah. So it's just constantly moving goalposts that we're trying to hit. Um, but thankfully, like I think, the release has worked out really well. Uh, like all our, our VOD numbers and everything seem to be really good. So I don't think it's, it's not a like financial concern as much now of like, Oh, we need theatrical as part of our release plan. It's more just like, I want to play it in theaters so I can watch it with people and enjoy it with people. Um, just purely as a filmmaker, I need to have that experience. And yeah, it's a movie that it deserves to be seen with a crowd. It's not something I want to be watching at home alone. Like, you know, you want to go and have that kind of group experience of, of hanging out with people while you're watching it. 
This this movie also has a high potential for people dressing up as characters from the movie. I feel like like oh know. yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I w- I would love to have a screening where there's like a costume contest or something, and people dressing up as characters uh, would be really fantastic. Uh, well, let's jump back a little bit because yeah, I was doing uh, a little bit of research on you, and I know that's kind of um, how you got your start, right? Like you um, you did a lot of makeup and effects kind of stuff early, right? Was that sort of your jump into the business yeah or? i mean i mean i started out doing stop motion animation as a kid like that was my thing my way of telling stories and making movies uh because you know when you're like 13 you don't really have the resources to shoot movies in a normal way and so i that was my initial foray into filmmaking and from there it expanded to shooting live action stuff with my friends and when i did that I wanted to make monsters and characters to be in these movies. So that's when I started learning makeup effects. And it just seemed like the most viable option as a career choice going into prosthetics. Um, you know, like I was trying to be realistic. And at the time I was thinking like, well, being a director seems like such a, like such a lofty goal for a kid. Like I figured, well, I'll learn makeup effects. I'll do, creatures and things and prosthetics on movies. And that can be, if that can be my day job, like that would be awesome. And so luckily it worked out that way where uh, like basically fresh out of school, I was working in prosthetics, but then also making my own movies on the side. And I've always been doing both simultaneously. Uh, Whereas the filmmaking thing was more of a hobby for a while, but I started getting so much, uh, like a great response to my films and, they were really like building up a fan base. And I met up with the other guys from Astron six, uh, Adam, Matt, Connor and Jeremy, we started making movies together and we start to build up a fan base there. And, uh, so it's just ever since then, I've been jumping back and forth between doing prosthetics, uh, for TV and movies, uh, working at the various shops around town right now. I'm at masters effects uh, in Toronto. And, uh, so doing that and then, yeah, directing my own projects or being a director for hire, like stuff like Leprechaun Returns was just like, a, Hey, we need a director for this project. Are you interested? So I jumped on board. Same with day of the dead. Uh, it was more just a director for hire, like journeyman situation where, you know, I wanted the, I wanted the experience and I thought it would be fun to kind of be involved in these properties and try and help kind of, kind of steer them in hopefully the right direction. So. Yeah, it's just kind of jumping back and forth, either doing prosthetics or uh, directing films. Well, that was something that uh, jumped out to me a lot watching uh, this movie, too, was just there's a lot of world building that in Psycho Gorman and there's a lot of really unique looks to characters, which I think like adds this depth to it. I mean, the concept is great, but then it's like you as you watch it, you realize like there's this whole backstory and there's all these different unique aliens and just like all these different looks. So like, I'm just curious about that of uh, how much thought you put into this world. Uh, I mean, I always knew going into it that, I wouldn't be able to go as huge as I wanted to go. I kind of deliberately told a scaled down story because it is also just a type of movie. I really like is the like fantasy sci-fi action movie. That's forced to be in suburbia for budget reasons, like <laughs> yes. a real master of the universe scenario. Yes. Yeah. And so I went into it with that attitude of like more, more like teasing things and showing stuff without, 
without showing too much and just kind of like giving hints uh, of world while still having you know set pieces and things that are satisfying but smelling telling a big story in a small way was always my intention so i did build kind of a, a universe around all of that uh, and it definitely like expanded as i was writing and and even just as i was making the creatures and shooting the movie uh, like just the more time I had to ruminate on stuff, the the bigger the universe got. And so there's definitely like a lot of, of lore there that is unseen or only teased. But uh, yeah, I think that's part of the fun of making this kind of movie is you're just showing the tip of the iceberg of what this universe is without, uh, without really spoiling how far it goes. Cause uh, I wanted to leave something up to the audience's imaginations. Cause I like, like that kind of movie where you watch a thing and you wonder like what like what's happening on the peripheries of each of these situations like how did certain characters get here why do certain characters look the way they look always teasing that there's like a story like before character showed up and after they leave i think is always just like a good gimmick for this type of movie yeah, I mean, Masters of the Universe really is probably the best example. But yeah, I, it was such a funny thing in the 80s where they'd get this property and then it was inevitably like, well, and it's going to take place in 80s America because we can't afford. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a real uh, Beastmaster 2 yeah. scenario where it's like, what, what if the bad guy went on a like shopping spree to get a new outfit instead of being in like you know, a fantasy castle somewhere. Like, I just love that kind of stuff. Like, I love <laughs> being forced into those scenarios where it's like, yeah, you got these big ideas, but uh, what if it all took place in, like, a gymnasium? Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> like, that kind of stuff just makes me laugh. So I, I wanted to inject that into PG. Because it's it also lead, it leads to some unintended comedy of, like, characters in really elaborate costumes trying to act cool, but yeah they're like walking down the sidewalk and there's like you know cars parked around just like normal people hanging out like i just that kind of imagery is so funny to me i i do love with your movie too that you you're definitely playing into all that but then there's almost this like uh you know sort of uh a little bit of more darkness to it in that like there's some real damage done <laughs> to this town by the end of the movie like people are never going to be the same <laughs> after yeah i mean and that was part of the joke to me that i wanted to commit to was like let's not dwell on the consequences but still show things happen so the audience is left going like well that kid that was on the bike is really dead like, they blew up <laughs> yeah and so you're cutting to other scenes where the family is engrossed in their family drama and you're still thinking like yeah but what about that kid that died or that cop that got melted <laughs> like yeah are there no consequences to any of these things it just yeah it made me laugh and i i think it just sets up the absurd universe of this movie where it's not concerned with like com like trying to be too realistic because i just I want to approach it almost like a Simpsons episode where it's more just about the satisfying joke or payoff of the moment and not so much about like, like committing the realism of, of real life. Like if that makes sense. Like just, I like, I wanted to live in a more absurd fantasy world than real life for this film, even when we were in the real world. Uh, with that being said, uh, and with the universe being so rich, is that something you've thought about of possible future stories that take place in this world? Is that something you're interested in? Oh, yeah, I definitely like the idea of continuing PG's adventures. Um, 
just like what capacity we want to do that in is up for debate. Uh, Cause you know, it, like it would be easy to just be like, yeah, let's just make another movie and then just jump into a movie. But I think there's other avenues that we could take that maybe are more interesting and can expand the world a little bit more. Uh, so yeah, I'm just going to take my time figuring that out. I mean, I have other projects that I'm attached to that I, I might pursue first. Uh, but one thing I love right now is just other people kind of taking the concept of PG and running with it, doing fan art and things like I, I like the, I like the fan discussions that are going on right now. Like the, the discourse around PG is really great. So I want to let that percolate for a while. Cause I also feel like that might help inspire me to see kind of like what people, what people are latching onto the most. And like, what is the story that we all collectively really want to see for PG? Like it's an interesting position to be as a filmmaker because it's now a little bit out of my hands where I've, I've told the story I wanted to tell. And now it's this concept that's out in the world that everyone is kind of enjoying and contributing to in their own way. And I just want to like, you know, foster that community and not just be like, well, this is what I want to do. And I don't care what you people want, you know? So yeah, trying try to figure out what the right next step is, is the, is what I'm dealing with at the moment. Was there anything that surprised you about the fans? Like anything that they got really invested in or theories that they had or anything that you didn't expect? Uh, I love that people really latched onto the hunky boys moment, <laughs> uh, which to me is like the best part of the movie. And it's totally the turning point where up to that point, the movie kind of feels a little serious, like it's absurd and there's definitely funny moments, but it kind of feels like it's on track to be a, a conventional movie. But then that happens, and I feel like the movie just totally veers hard left and becomes something else. And the way that people have responded to it so well makes me happy because it's. I always thought like, oh, this moment not going to land, and if it doesn't land, are people like just going to be like not into what the rest of the movie is? Because <laughs> that moment is very much like in the spirit of what the rest of the movie becomes. And the fact people love it so much makes me really happy because, uh, yeah, it it's one of my favorite moments in the movie. There's also just that's an A plus line delivery of the or do. Yeah. I? Like, yeah. No, it's definitely one of my favorite moments from the movie. Like, yeah. I yeah. I mean, if I, I'm not pitching you, but, you know, if you for the future movies, I definitely want to see this explored more if he ever, <laughs> you know, starts well, to explore. I, you know, it's definitely now added a dimension to his character that I think is very interesting and I would love to pursue further because <laughs> I just it's it's also just like it just gives him like way more heart and personality yes and and I think that's really interesting like I like I like the idea of this character kind of struggling with kind of like like you know like satisfying his needs beyond just being an evil warlord like what is what does it look like PG? Like, what do those adventures look like of PG trying to find love and trying to find a companion? Yeah. Um, you know, so I'd like to, yeah, pursue that more. And it does, I think it, you know, like you said, I think that is sort of the tonal shift, but then I also think it kind of, uh, in a way, like really sells the premise too of like, he does have something to learn from this. He comes in thinking, uh, that he's got everything figured out and then like, you know, maybe, maybe this girl can teach him <laughs> about some aspects yeah. of life that he hasn't experienced yet. 
Well, yeah, and I find it's always like the opposite with these types of movies where it's like the family is a bit of a like wet blanket scenario where they're not that compelling and it's, they're, they're so committed to being normal by traditional standards that that the fantasy character is like the wacky crazy character whereas i like that in pg pg becomes the straight man yes for lack of a better term and everybody else is crazy which is a very weird um direction to take but yeah like i really wanted the other characters to be interesting in their own way to then kind of help motivate pg to come out of his shell and not just be an evil dude and kind of come to terms with who he is uh as a person and i think yeah the helen and the mimi especially really helped bring that out of him uh i'm curious with that being said too about i I think maybe the character i had the toughest time really figuring out and i mean this as kind of like in an interesting way was the dad like of just where he's coming from and like (laughs) what is going on in his life like he does not seem all right (laughs) yeah oh he's not okay (laughs) and and I, i i don't know i feel like like Greg to me is a representation of kind of a lot of like adult male disappointment <laughs> that I am wit- that I am witnessing and experiencing as an adult uh, and trying to like come to terms with and wrap my brain around because I-, I feel like there is an expectation there, especially as a father, to become like kind of an Atticus Finch type. Uh, where they're kind of like the rock that supports the family. And I just like the idea of Greg not being that at all, <laughs> like being a, being a pretty like, like selfish, useless person. And, but then also like figuring out the layers to that beyond those kind of simple terms, like also understanding that like, yeah, you can be, like kind of a shitty person like that but still be sympathetic like like i wanted him to be pathetic in a way that you feel bad for him yes Uh, because if he was just obnoxiously pathetic it would not be as fun and he would not be as engaging as a character so like there's there's a lot of a lot of balancing going on uh with that character specifically i think adam did a fantastic job like by making this character empathetic even though uh, he is such a buffoon. Yeah, uh, he, he's a real uh, he's a real uh, Randy from South Park, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, I kind of got that, or even like Jerry from uh, Rick and Morty, a little bit too. <laughs> like, yeah, there's a little bit of Jerry. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just every kind of like pathetic dad character. <laughs> Whereas usually in these movies, dad is like, yeah, more stoic and. Uh, and like I said before, I'm kind of like the rock of the family. And he is definitely not. It's like Susan is the one keeping keeping everything together as best as she can. And Greg is just kind of like just a dud. Just <laughs> yeah, just drops the ball at every opportunity. Yeah. And I speaking of like the comedy really, you know, being pivotal to the to everything. I feel like that bathroom scene with him is so important for that character of like I feel like because I was maybe not sure about what to make of him until I think that scene really sold him for me well there's nothing I love more than a pathetic character being thrown into horrible situations (laughs) where they're suffering terribly (laughs) um and so yeah that scene 
I feel like that is like really just culminates everything I, I like about the character. I love the start of that scene where he sees the little twinkling light and his logic is to reach out to it. Yes. He looks almost like yeah. kind of like hypnotized by it. The yeah. idea that he's sitting on the can, he's mad at his wife. He, you know, his solution to ending that argument is just going to the bathroom <laughs> and he's just sitting there. And the idea that he sees this magical light and he's, it's almost like he thinks that's going to solve all his problems. Like he thinks like, is this, is this the like quick solution to everything I'm experiencing right now? <laughs> Which I think, yeah, says a lot about his character. And I also think it's like a thing that speaks uh, to a lot of uh, male sensibilities right now is like wanting, wanting a quick out to problems when sometimes you just have to face the hard realities and uh, yeah, like, toughen up a little bit uh, not to like you know get into toxic toxic masculinity terms but like you know sometimes you just gotta step up and be an adult about things and i think a lot of the movie is is greg learning to do that in, in his own weird pathetic way yeah it, which it, it like i feel like until right up until the end he's not really sure that he's gonna be doing that like he seems to swerve at every opportunity until the very end yeah. so. Yeah, he's worth, but also I think he, we see that he does genuinely care about his whole family. Oh, yeah. Even yeah. even if he's he's like incompetent being a dad, <laughs> that doesn't change the fact that he cares and wants to try. And I think that that is the realization. You realize like he, he is not totally selfish. He does care. He's just not very good at it. <laughs> and I think that, that really sums up his character. Uh, well, I know we're we're kind of running out of time here, but I, I do specifically since this interview is about the uh, Blu-ray and DVD. Is there anything specific about uh, these releases that like what, you know, if you want to tell people like what they can expect is there bonus stuff or. Uh, I know there's a few commentaries on them. One of them I did like right in the thick of the pandemic. I think oh, I God. even pointed out. <laughs> I think I pointed it out like, at the end of the commentary. I recorded it by myself sitting <laughs> on my computer. So it's a little low key, but uh, there's, but then we did, uh, there's a cast commentary that'll be included uh, on the, there's the hunky boy edition, which is like the <laughs> Canadian version, which has the most stuff on it. Uh, the RLD version that's coming out in the U S does have a ton of features. Uh, but there's a couple exclusive commentaries on the Hunky Boy edition um, that I recommend checking out. Uh, but all versions have some good featurettes on the creature effects and the miniatures. And uh, there's one uh, kind of like 15-minute featurette that we did that's an interview with me talking about the movie, but then also uh, showing behind-the-scenes clips and things. So, yeah, there's lots of content there for people to consume if they're desperate to know about the wacky adventures of making Psycho Gorman. So, yeah, there's lots of good stuff there. I'm that nerd as a kid. I used to love those featurettes about, like, the makeup and everything. So I'm going to – that's that's where I'm at. It's just I want to watch you guys put all the prosthetics on and everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple features that are, like, one of them highlights the end fight with PG and Pandora. So there's, like, behind-the-scenes footage of that. There's one that highlights the paladin scene. Like both those scenes were super tough to shoot, and so there's lots of good on-set footage that wholly conveys uh, what a grueling experience it was shooting this movie. Have you gotten to talk to the cast at all? I know with like quarantine, it's probably tough. But how are they like reacting to all of this? 
like the reaction. I mean, I've only talked to them a little bit, but uh, they all seem pretty excited to be in a movie that's doing as well as it is. And I, I actually want to check in with a bunch of them and see if they're getting any auditions out of this, because my hope is, you know, with uh, Nita and Owen and, and Matt uh, and Adam and Alexis, like I hope they all get, uh, you know, get more work out of this, more acting work. So yeah, and yeah, the, I, I mean, I haven't checked in in a while, but I, I need to check in and see where they're at with stuff. Yeah, everybody's great, but yeah, the kids in particular, yeah, should definitely be getting <laughs> some audition of like child acting is tough, and they nail it. Like, yeah, well, it's a real gamble making a movie that's <laughs> centered around kids that could have gone very south, but. Boy, did we look at We really had the best cast of kids you could hope for. Uh, they did a fantastic job. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, man. I know we're out of time. I really appreciate talking to you. Hopefully, someday there will be a screening here in L.A. and I can actually come out and see it in a theater because I really do. I enjoy this movie quite a bit. So That would be awesome. Yeah, I hope when this all clears up, I can come down and maybe host a screening or something. And uh, yeah, enjoy it with a crowd, which would be nice. All right, cool. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. There you go. Like I said, Psycho Gorman available today on DVD and Blu-ray. Apparently there's a Hunky Boy edition uh, that is for Canada, which makes me kind of sad because I would buy that if I could. But uh, hopefully you enjoyed that. Uh, if you're looking for more interviews, definitely check out the archives on Hobo Trash Can. If you want something else that's sort of sci-fi, fun, has children in it, just talked to Jonathan Davenport from Our Heroes Rock. They have a Kickstarter going right now. You can check that out. He uh, is trying to create this animated show to spotlight Heroes of Black History. He's working with Big E from the WWE. He also designs the costumes for New Day. So that was a really fun chat. Check that out. Also, you can check out, uh, there's this great sci-fi movie called Coherence. If you haven't seen it, I talked to the director, James Ward Burkett. I talked to some of the actors that is in the archives. Also talked to some people from Rick and Morty. You can listen to those. Chris Parnell, that's in the archives. So definitely check all that out. Uh, come back later this week to listen to the beginning of our annual Hobo Madness tournament where we will be ranking TV theme songs, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, and that's going to do it for me today. So remember, question everything.
of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. In a world where people watch movies. I think I'm going to watch a movie. Sometimes they don't like what they see. I don't like this movie. Sometimes, they look for the silver lining. Wait a second. I like this part of this movie. Joel and Andy, do that work for you. The Silver Linings Playback. I like this part of this podcast where they tell me the part of the movie I like. Every Monday on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts.